season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR Podcast. My name is Jace Riggling and I'm the host. Had a great episode yesterday with Joe Teneri, just recently committed to Purdue. Got another great episode here today with Joe Glander, just recently named the number six player in the in Indiana for that 2025 class. Uh, just right now in the middle of that recruiting process going on, talking to some big-time schools. Definitely have a great career wherever he goes. I'm going to go to a big-time college. So today today we discuss his outlook on the recruiting process, kind of going through that first call, what his thought process is, what exactly he's looking for as he goes through this recruiting process. Talk, we dig into his personal scouting report as well, how he got to the Indiana Bulls, and just talk about his career as a whole. So a bunch of great content today, just like it always has been. I'm looking forward for you guys listening to it. So let's dig into it. I hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have one of the best players in Indiana for the 2025 class from Noblesville, Indiana. Indiana Bulls black player. And he's currently in the recruiting process with some big time schools. We got Joe Glander on the show. Joe, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you awesome. for having me on. Of course, man. So, Glander, that's how I pronounce your last name, right? Yep. Okay, perfect. I know I, sometimes I get some guys with some funky last names. I'm, I'm never really sure wh- how to pronounce them. I just want to make sure I got it right. Um, so, one question I do like to ask everybody as soon as they get on the podcast is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Joe Glander? Um, I think I'm a great team player. love playing baseball. Love, you know, being around the game and just being influenced as much as possible throughout my years of baseball. Awesome, man. Um, so let's do one thing. Um, so like I said, you are in the middle of that recruiting process. So let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, when did that recruiting process start for you? And when did you start getting noticed by some of those D1 teams? So it really started back in fall ball in 2021 by uh, a, one school, Purdue, late late in the year in 2021 and then it kind of picked up a little bit more early 2020 with you know Xavier and then kind of this summer has been that you know I super it's been super uh it picked up a lot during the summertime for sure so with Purdue and Xavier those first couple schools that reached out to you uh when you were on the phone call with them for the first time what was kind of going through your head because obviously playing college baseball that's been that's obviously a dream of many kids so what's going through your mind when you're on your first phone call with, with uh, college baseball programs? Yeah, I think, I think it's definitely nerve wracking, especially on the first call, you know, you don't, you don't know what they're going to ask and you want to be on your best behavior for sure. And I think it's just, I think it was surreal at that moment. I didn't really think that, you know, I would get that kind of looks and at that time, but I, it was awesome. It was, an, it was a great experience and I love talking to coaches till this day. I think it's super fun and it's still nerve wracking, but. It's definitely a good, a good nervous. So when you are in those phone calls for the first time or even uh, two, three calls into it, what are some of those questions that those coaches are asking you? And just overall, what, what what's the whole vibe of these uh, phone calls? So they always ask about yourself and, you know, your family and 
you know, what your parents do for work, if you have any siblings, what you like doing outside of baseball. And their goal is to get you on campus or to get you to play for their team someday. So I think they, you know, sell you on the college and tell you a little bit about them and, you know, where they coach and how their college stacks up against other places. And I think that's cool, too, to see what, how coaches take different approaches on that and, you know, talk about, your, talk about yourself and talk about the colleges, about all that goes down for the first couple, I'd say. Yeah. So you talk about different approaches that coaches go by. What's been just – different approaches that you've seen just going through this process and talking just so many different so some coaches I think take the route of like the first call just getting to know you it's a super long call they don't ever talk about the college and it's just all about you your whatever position you are like what you like to do and stuff like that and I think another very different approach would be a college coach coming in and just talking straight about the college obviously asking questions about yourself but you know, just kind of straight at the college and doesn't really give you any background on themselves. And I think that uh, I think that's like the two major approaches that are very different. So for you personally, when you're on the phone call for the first time with a head coach or with a recruiting coordinator, what's maybe what's maybe the um, the way that the approach that you like the best? Uh, I'd say the approach that is appealing to me the best is definitely the, the first one, you know, getting to know me like talking about the college a little bit at the end and maybe getting to a camp or something. But I think that having a, like a relationship with your coaches is the most important thing to me. So on that first call, when a coach is always talking about you and talking about like our relationship with that coach or something like stuff like that, I think is the, the best approach. And I like that the best for sure. Yeah. So you said Purdue and Xavier were those first two, first two schools that reached out to you before the summer ball season uh, circuits began. So once that happened, what are, what are some other schools that have started to reach out uh, since this summer started? Um, so some schools that have reached out, uh, Xavier, Purdue, Alabama, Wright State, Mizzou, um, South Carolina, and a couple others that I've, I've really talked to a lot during the summertime. Alabama was really midsummer, and then some of these other ones were kind of near the end after future games, but okay. it's so, been good so far. At this point in your process, are a lot of those just kind of interested in them trying to get to know you, or, or do you have a couple offers on the table at this point? I do. have a, I have six offers right now. Okay. So as you're going through this process and you're just deciding to see which team is actually the best fit for you, what are some key things that you're looking for? So things that I look for in a college is definitely the academics and coaches. I think, you know, being a strong school academically and having good coaches is probably the most important thing to me, not necessarily like the conference or, you know, how good their stadium is or how much technology they have. And I think that's important for your development, but I think that a better coach beats out a tech, like a technology thing any day. So I look for academics because, you know, baseball's my life right now, but there's something after too. So whenever I'm not playing someday, I would love to have a good degree from a good school and I think those are probably my two most important things that I look for. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, you're still three years away from college, but uh, do you have any idea on what your degree might be once you do head to a college campus? Not not entirely, but I, I do have some like ideas that I would like to do. I would love to be a physical therapist someday. I think that would be super fun, you know, helping athletes recover and stretch and, you know, making sure their bodies are ready to perform. I think that would be a really cool job. So something like exercise science or kinesiology. 
And, you know, I guess the other one would probably be like a business major, maybe get into sales someday. I kind of like that part of the, you know, okay. business spectrum. So, okay. something like so that. As you, as you continue into this recruiting process, obviously, I mean, everyone takes it differently. I mean, I know there's guys who are heading into their senior year who, senior year who are committing. I mean, there's guys who commit even before they begin their freshman season. So kind of as you go through this process, what's your mindset on that right now, just in terms of, okay, I want to wait it out to this long or whatever it is. What's your mindset on maybe not necessarily a timeline, but also kind of an idea when you think you might, you might feel comfortable committing? So I don't necessarily know if I have a timeline. You know, I have some offers on the table. I've been talking to some schools I really like. So, I mean, I think that it's more of a day-by-day thing. You know, if I kind of get something to come along or – maybe we go see some places and it's like, this is the place for me Then I would make a decision, but I not, I I guess I wouldn't, I guess I'm not like on a timeline. I don't have to make one this year. I don't think, I think I could play another summer season, uh, high school season and be fine. But I mean, if something comes along or something just feels right, I think I could pull the trigger, but I really don't know right now. Yeah. So have you been able to take any college visits at this point in your career? Yeah. So I've been to a couple of camps. You can't visit yet when you're a, you know, incoming sophomore. So just been going down to camps and meeting the coaches and seeing the campus and doing a little workout, I think is really important to that recruiting process, just yeah. that you can see everything and, you know, really feel like you fit there. I think that's the the biggest thing. Yeah. So playing for that 2025 Indiana Bulls black team, I mean, obviously there's a couple guys on that team already who are committed. So do you have any friends who are maybe trying to like sway sway you their way in a certain way or just messing around or do your friends kind of stay out of that whole process? Um, I think some of my closer friends are more in the process, but you know, on my bulls team, we just had fun. We didn't, we didn't really talk about colleges a lot. I mean, we know, I know we had some, some guys getting looked at by different schools and we have three Louisville commits. So I know, I think that we talked about colleges at some points, but I, I mean, we were never really like, dug deep and I guess I really we just had fun and played baseball which was the most important thing for us yeah so out of all those camps that you mentioned all the camps that you went to uh what were some of the campuses that really stuck out to you just in terms of maybe the looks of the campus or just some, like something that maybe felt comfortable to you um I really like Xavier I went there in February this year and I mean it was awesome it's a smaller school it's a private it's a private school it's great academically and you know the coaches are awesome I loved it there and I really liked Alabama. Alabama was awesome. I mean, the, the facilities are amazing and the coaches are great there. So I'm going to South Carolina August 27th. So I'll see what happens there and see how I like that. But I think those couple three right there have been the best ones so far. Yeah. So you said you have three Louisville commits on your Indiana Bulls team. I believe that's JD, Caden, and Colin. Am I wrong? That's That's right. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Cause I know you guys already had a couple guys committed. So besides those three and yourself, obviously, who are some other guys on that bulls team to be on the lookout for? Uh, I think one of the biggest ones is Cal Gates. I think he's coming up. He's a great outfielder. Great kid. I mean, he's an amazing player. He's just, a, he's just amazing teammate. You know, he makes every catch in the outfield, never see him drop a ball. Everything gets to him, everything he gets to. So I think him and, we got some other guys on the on that fringe of coming up and really getting looked at. So I think next year is kind of a, a big year for us, for sure, for getting us looked at by colleges. Yeah. So when did you first get connected with the Indiana Bulls? 
So I originally played for my first 7U, 8U, 9U, 10U, 11U, 12U. I was at Noblesville. So I played at the NYB. So we had, it was like a community team. We were like the Noblesville Millers. And then my dad used to coach in the organization for, he used to coach the 16U team a long time ago. So he knows all, he knew all the guys on the board and he knew all the people in the Bulls. So into that 13U year, we kind of made a team. We were like the fourth team. So we kind of came over with about six Noblesville kids. Um, and then we picked up kids at tryouts and we had about 12, 13. And then 14U year, we had about the same thing. Some kids left, some kids quit. We got we got some new kids, so I mean, fourteen new season. I was with my dad too. I with I've been with my dad all the way up until fifteen new this year, where my head coach was Alex Meyer, and I was on the black team, and it was an amazing experience. So I think okay. that's kind of when my bowls started. So what was that transition from playing underneath your dad um, up till fifteen new, and then now you're playing for Coach Meyer? What was that transition like, and just what was it, what was the big difference you saw? Yeah, so I'm not playing for Meyer anymore. He was my last year's coach. I'm, we're playing for Bunnell this year. But that transition was, you know, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad. I think my dad was really hard on me, and I, it never was like a daddy's ball type setting. So, you know, getting thrown out there with a, you know, he was an MLB pitcher. I mean, he, it helped me immensely during the summertime, being able to learn from him in between innings and work on my pitches. And, you know, we worked on the, we worked in the fall together and the winter. So I think having that under me and, you know, just having a, another voice was really helpful alongside my dad. Yeah. So who was the former major league pitcher you said? Was it your dad or was it your other coach? No, my 15-year coach, Alex Meyer. He pitched for the Angels. Okay. So when you're around a guy who's who has major league experience, what type of questions are you asking him and how are you picking his brain? Because obviously he's kind of hit that goal to where many young kids want to hit of playing major league baseball. So when you're around a guy like that, how, what what are different ways that you're picking their brain? Um, just asking a bunch of questions. Like if I have any questions, I'm just asking them pitch grips, pitch types, where I want to throw it, how I want to throw it, when I should throw it, you know, just like different situational stuff. Like I'll come back from an inning. Maybe I got, I got a guy down O2 and I threw him a pitch and he got a hit. Maybe asking questions like, what do I do there? How do you do that? Like, what can I do to make that a bat better? And I think that you know, he made it all the way. So he's got to know something. So he, he helped, he helped a lot there and helped me with situational stuff and like developing some of my pitches and tweaking them to make them really good. So with school, with school starting already, you said August 1st is when you guys started. I assume you're obviously you're done with summer ball, but do you have any plans to uh, play fall ball at all? Or are you kind of shutting it down and just resting for a little bit? So I am playing fall ball. I think, I'll probably throw around 12 to 15 innings this fall in the month of September is when we really play. It's the four weeks straight. Um, I believe we played two at Grand Park, um, the tournament down at IU. And then I think we're going to the, we're going to the Fort Myers, like WWBA underclass games or whatever in Florida. So I, we're doing that that last weekend of September, which will be fun. Okay. So what, te- this is, this isn't team Indiana, is it? No, Team Indiana is the 17 you won. They're going to Jupiter. Okay. That's what I wasn't sure because they kind of have that same schedule. I just talked to Simon Wilkinson and he kind of, he, like, he kind of said that same exact schedule. So you guys must be around in those same tournaments, I take it? Yep. Same things. Okay. So you just got back from the Futures game about a week, week and a half ago, whenever that turn, whenever that uh, event did end. So kind of take us through that Futures game, how you got connected with it, 
and just what that whole experience was like for you. So it's an awesome experience. That was my third year doing it. I went uh, 13U and 14U, and, you know, I was a catcher-pitcher, third baseman. I was a multi-position guy, and I think that was, like, it was super cool. And then going down there again for the 15s and 16s mix was awesome, too. You know, getting to play with guys like Chase Lee and all those guys up there that are really good, and I think that was super fun. And it's been it's been a great experience every time I've gone. You know, our Indiana director, Phil Wade, Hibbler helps. I think all those guys are great, and they're super knowledgeable on baseball. So every time we play down there, they help me out for sure. Yeah. So what's the big difference when going down there when you're playing for the 15, 16, you guys who are uncommitted? Um, what's the big difference playing in that compared to when you went down there when you were 12, 13? Um, I think just the kid, like the skill level is unmatched in the college scouts. I mean, there is no matter who you are, what you play, they're watching you. And I think there's so many scouts that just lurk around those pods and there's there is a bunch there so I think that's a you know a nerve-wracking piece to it but I think it's also a really good nerve-wracking piece to where it's like you know I want to do good in front of this guy maybe we could talk to him later you know, stuff like that yeah. so yeah. I think that's probably the biggest difference I mean we did have scouts at 14U I don't think we really had any at 13U but I mean at 15 and 16 it's just different because right? they're, they're watching kids that are going to be juniors so it's a little different for them and I think that's it was a super cool experience to go through yeah so with that many coaches there obviously it's been the, that's the most that's the event that you've been to that has the most coaches there watching you play so how do you go and how do you focus when you're on the mound just knowing there's so many people there watching you and just overall what's your mindset as you go into a game like that yeah for sure so you know my first inning I was really nervous I mean I was I, I did fine I was definitely nervous though when all those guys were behind me but I just remembered that, you know, they're all here to watch me for a reason and that I'm, I'm good enough to be here and you have to get picked. It's not an easy selection. They don't just pick whoever they want. So, you know, having that kind of in the back of your mind, like I'm good enough to be here. I'm supposed to be here. Like my stuff's good enough, no matter if I'm on or off, like I can perform in front of these guys. So I think that's kind of like that, you know, that experience you go through. And I think if you have those, if you have that confidence behind yourself, you'll do just fine. You'll just do just fine. Yeah. So being a so being a pitcher and there's there's is is it four games that you guys play in that futures game or is it three? I think it was three this year. Okay. So being a pitcher, I assume what like does that schedule come out maybe a couple days ahead of time and you just have a game plan on when you're pitching or when when do you find out which game that you're pitching throughout the three day weekend or the three day week? So they sent it out. They sent us an email about a week before we. You know, it really started. The future games officially started, so we could kind of plan ahead and you know get our side bullpens in and make sure we threw and lifted and stuff like that. Make sure we're doing everything to get ready for our start. Yeah. So, which game were you pitching during that during that event? So I pitched game one against Georgia, and we had about twelve pitchers total down there. I think so. Every every pitcher slated about two innings per game. So I was innings five and six. Of, of that game so I had to you know prepare myself for that and that was that was good I threw before the game and made sure I got in the bullpen before I went out there and I was good and ready to go and just performed yeah so Georgia I mean obviously Georgia is one of those premier baseball states around the country I mean you got Florida Georgia Texas Arizona California those are usually generally for most classes are probably the best states when it comes to just baseball talent in general so when you were facing that team Georgia were you facing a lot of top tier guys who are probably going to a lot of power fives or how, how, how was that competition level? 
Yeah, no, the, the competition level was elite. Our pool was actually Texas, California, Georgia. So no matter what game I pitched in, I would have been facing guys anyways. I think we did end up tying that game. But, I mean, those Georgia guys, they were they were all good. There was not one weak player on that team. They were very skilled and talented, and they were definitely a good team for sure. Yeah. So, obviously, I believe you still have two more years of travel ball um, still left in your career before you end up go play college ball. Um, so, just looking back into just some of your memories that you have playing college ball, obviously for Noblesville, going to play for that Bulls um, for these past couple of years. Um, just looking back on your career so far, what's been maybe some of your favorite travel ball memories uh, that come to mind? Um, I think some of my favorite ones were when I was really young, 10, 11 U. We went to Myrtle Beach and Pigeon Forge one year. I think those those tournaments are the, the most fun where, you know, you're with your team, you're young, you're in a cabin, you're with your family, you go play baseball, you come back, you're in the mountains, you hop in a pool. I mean, you just play wiffle ball. I think those are some of the memories I'll never forget. And then obviously in the last couple of years, traveling to Lake Point and East Cobb and all those places, I think is, you know, something I'll never forget for the rest of the time I live. Yeah. So let's, let's transition a little bit to your actual high school career. So you just got done with your freshman year this past spring. Um, so one question I do like to ask some of you younger guys is what would you say would be tougher? Obviously you play in central Indiana, central Indiana has a bunch of great baseball talent. So what's tougher when you're facing guys in high school who are 17, 18 years old, obviously more mature than you um, in terms of maybe um, just development wise, and they're going to college that next year, or when you're facing elite prospects of your own age group and you're just constantly going up against guys who are committed to some big time, well, who are at have the potential to go to some big time schools. So what would you say would be tougher? Um, I think it depends on the, the high school for sure, but, I think the age gap as a freshman, if you did play varsity, would I'd probably be varsity just because even if those guys are committed to big-time Power 5 schools, they're more experienced and more skilled than you, regardless of – unless you're just insane. I mean, but I think the high school point would probably be tougher, but I also think that travel ball is tough too, depending on the competition you play. So I think it could really go both ways that, you know, if you play in some elite-level tournaments, you could you can face a team that has – 15, 20, 10, 15, 20 commits. And then you got to, you kind of got to remember those kids are probably the best kids at their high school. So it's, it's kind of like that. You're playing like a high school super team. So I think that, you know, depending on the teams you play in the summer and the competition you face, I think both are really tough regardless of the age gap and, you know, the kids going, the kids that are older than you. Yeah. So for you being a freshman there at Noblesville last year, did you play varsity? I mean, because I know some of those central Indiana schools, even when they have freshmen, sophomores who are uh, very talented and have the potential to go play power five schools, sometimes they don't even make varsity. So did you get the chance to play varsity this past spring? So I did not play varsity. I played J. I, I was on the top JV team. I was, uh, I pitched, I played outfield, I played third base. So, I mean, it was good. You know, I didn't really have a choice. You don't have a choice as a freshman. So, you know, this year my goal is to be on varsity, and that's what I'm working for. But we have a talented squad at Noblesville, and, you know, we had some experienced guys. We had 10 or 12 seniors, so definitely an old group. And, you know, playing JV was, wasn't bad at all. I think it was a great experience, and I definitely wasn't concerned about that at all. Yeah. But the I know, goal I, would be varsity, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know when I talked to Nash here this past February, he was heading into his sophomore year at that time. 
Nash Wagner. And I mean, he said he, I think he said he topped out at 91 as a freshman and was still playing JV. Um, so that, that's just to me, just being from a, from, I'm from Northern Indiana and pretty much where I'm from. If you, if you can throw a ball faster than 80 miles an hour as a freshman, I mean, you're going to be on varsity. So to me, just hearing that, that, I mean, you guys are so talented, so good. And you guys are still playing JV as freshmen. That's just for me, in my mind, I think that's pretty crazy, but I mean, that's, I mean, that just shows how good central Indiana baseball is. So what's this, what's the outlook on this upcoming, this upcoming spring going into your sophomore season? Um, just the outlook for me would be, you know, this off season, I'm really trying to eat right and, you know, lift and get stronger and not only throw harder, but, you know, increase, increase my pitch ability, make sure I can really command my pitch repertoire that, you know, I think that can get some people out. So my outlook would be, you know, play varsity, win some games and maybe make it through sectionals, go to state, who knows, you never know what happens in baseball, but. I think getting better this off season and then really looking forward to a good spring and then summer. So you talk about your pitching repertoire there. Um, so what, what are the different pitches that you throw and what exactly is in your pitching repertoire? So I throw a four seam fastball and a two seam fastball. It, it really depends on the day, but sometimes it was more like a two seam and my two seam is almost a sinker. So I like throwing those two pitches. I like running a two seam away from a lefty and also you know, running a two-seam in on a righty's hands and then just throwing the four-seam as a weapon. And then I'd say my one of my secondary pitches, my two, would be a slider. I throw like a spiked slider, so almost like a knuckle slider. It's like a spike curve almost, but slider. And then I throw a Vulcan changeup. And I think those two pitches get me out a lot. And I think the slider, it's more of a sweeper and it's pretty fast it's 78 to 78 miles an hour and you know kids bite on that and they'll chase it and then I just the Vulcan change ups more of a 77 to 79 it's it's like a almost like a split split finger but harder and more spin and it just dives and okay. I like to run it away from a left and then on the righty so, so you, I think those those three pitches you know are that help me the most yeah, so you mentioned a Vulcan change. So that's something you don't hear very often. So what's the difference between a Vulcan change and then a regular changeup that most kids are throwing out there? So I have pretty big hands, so I can I can get a Vulcan in my hand pretty easily. But I think I think a circle change is, you know, I think it has more run and it's not as deceptive as a Vulcan. I think the Vulcan spins weird. It has like a weird knuckly side spin. I think that messes hitters up and then, you know, I think it just it just dives, and I I don't see circle changes as much do that. I see a circle change as like a more fluent pitch, and I kind of like that Vulcan a little rougher to where they you know they bite on that dive, and I think that's like what helps me the most with that pitch. Yeah. So, are you pretty good pretty good set on the pitches that you're throwing right now, or do you have any plans on maybe adding a pitch or two in the near future? So. I mean, it kind of just depends. I, I just develop I, – I, I'll develop this off season and see what happens. And then maybe, you know, this high school season, something's not working. i got to change something up. So, you never, you never really know. But I'd, I'd prefer to stick with those three pitches and then maybe develop a fourth here that I throw just a little bit, whether that be like a curveball type pitch or a, maybe like a sinker, like a true sinker, you know, something like that I think would be kind of an option for me. but. Right now, I stick with the three pitches I have and really master those. Yeah. 
So in the past, when you've been able to try to add pitches, how do you generally go about adding a new pitch? Because obviously you're playing around with grips, playing catch with it. But how do you? How, what's your mindset when you're trying to add a new pitch? And just how overall, just how do you go about it? Um, just play with it and catch and see how it does. I mean, I think the most, like the biggest thing for me is being consistent with it. You know, you might throw something when you're throwing with your buddy and it's just nasty that day. And you go throw it again the next day at all, or it just doesn't work. So I think, you know, playing catch with it and finding that pitch that's just consistent that I can throw a lot and it always works. I think that kind of, you know, plays into how I develop my pitches. And, you know, I think that when I can throw consistently like that every day, I think that's what makes it a really good pitch. Yeah. So let's say if you were a scout watching your game, this can be at the Futures game or any time a scout's watching you. What would be your personal scouting report on yourself? So this can be in the dugout interacting with your teammates and when you're on the mound. So I think in the dugout I'm a great teammate. And, you know, I, I'd say I'm pretty encouraging and I'm not very negative. And I think that I I just help people out. And, you know, they can always come talk to me about anything they they need. And, you know, I'm always there for someone on my, on my team. You know, we're brothers. We play all the time together. We're with each other 24-7. And, you know, I think that having a relationship with all your players and your team is super important. Yeah. And then on the mound, you know, you see a, a long, lanky 6'2", 160 kind of build. You know, I have a lot of room to fill out, and that's kind of my goal this offseason. And, you know, I got a I got long levers, which I think is which is good. And I got a lot of ASR on my fastball. I have a pretty, I have elite change up, and I think my slider is developing and getting a lot better. And I just – think that in the next three years I could be something really great and that's what you know I think college coaches would look at and say if he's 80 88 89 now what would be in three years and you know I think that's what they look at and I think it's a a really good look for sure. So you mentioned there that relationship with your teammates are obviously very important I mean especially for a pitcher the pitcher catcher relationship is tremendously important so when you go about when you are having a catcher that you're catching you for the first time how do you kind of go about building a relationship with him and just building that trust? That way you know you can, he can be your catcher and you guys are going to go out there and dominate. Yeah, so I think having a relationship with your catcher is really important and also just with everyone in the field. You know, making sure they can make plays behind you and stuff like that. And, and then back to the catcher thing, you know, I think for a guy that's catching me the first time, if it was just in a game for the first time, I would kind of command it more and kind of throw what I would want to throw and then have input in between innings like – Maybe he thinks the slider is not working. Let's throw this instead. You know, maybe I trust him there, and I'll I'll trust him no matter what. And then, you know, as I throw to him more and more, I we kind of we you just have that connection where you just know where, you know, if I'm in a one-two count on a righty, he just knows I want to throw a fastball or a slider or a, a changeup depending on the hitter. So, I think you know developing that relationship and then you know having trust for sure is really important for a pitcher catcher relationship. Yeah. So if you beat a pitcher and you're heading – being a pitcher for the Indiana Bulls Black where you guys are traveling down to Atlanta, I assume you've probably been to Cary or Hoover as well. Um, when you're out there and you can't really get a really a scouting report on the guys that you're facing, but you know they're solid ball players, how do you kind of go about at bat um, – how do you kind of go – how do you kind of go about at bats against some of those guys that you really don't have a scouting report on, but you know that they're pretty solid ball players? You know, I, I would – I think – you know, if we know we're playing a good team, maybe look some of them up on perfect game or something, try to find some video and, you know, see some swings. But if I can't do that or, you know, I just 
kind of learned throughout the first inning, you know, if I get absolutely torched, I know this team's good and I got to do something different. And then, you know, if I'm dominating, I'm feeling good. I just throw what I, what my catcher calls and make sure we agree on stuff. And, you know, I go about it. That first inning is kind of really important. You can kind of tell with the first three or four guys that go up, if they're putting good swings on it, even if they don't make contact, you know, this team's going to be pretty solid. So I think, you know, also knowing that you have a bunch of fielders and, you know, I'm confident in all my guys behind me that they're going to make plays. So not only not trying to strike everyone out, but making just trying to throw a good pitch after good pitch and strike some guys out along the way. Yeah. So obviously you, you head to a college campus, whatever college that happens to be in the fall of 2025. So before you get to that date, what are some maybe the biggest things that you're wanting to work on as a ball player and maybe even as a person uh, before you head to a college campus? I think for me is kind of just getting consistent with everything I do, you know, homework and work ethic. Not that it's not consistent, but getting better and better as I go throughout my high school career, you know, eating right and kind of following a, a, a program that's good for my arm and, you know, making sure I recover and stay healthy throughout my next three years in high school and make sure I'm ready to go on campus in the fall. So yeah. I think those would be the most important things for me is right before I'm about to get on campus. Yeah. Well, man, I got a couple more questions for you before we end it off. So we've talked about baseball now for about 33, 34 minutes. So let's dig in some stuff beyond the baseball field. So when you're not playing ball, what are some of the passions that you have beyond the baseball field? So this last season, so the 20, 21 to 2022 winter was my last year playing hockey so I've been a hockey player ever since I was four and my dad played college hockey so you know I think that's a really big passion for me and I met some of my greatest friends I'll ever meet and okay. on the ice so I think that's a super big passion and just hanging out with my friends and having a good time and you know just bonding and hanging out with my family I think family is super important for me having a good relationship with my parents and my, my little brother. So things like that, I think, are the most passionate for me. Yeah. So you talk about hockey there. So is hockey, like, is there, like, a lot of club hockey teams around there in that central Indiana area for you to be able to go play on before you uh, retired as a hockey player? Um, There is, but it's it's a lot of high school stuff. So there's, like, the Knights and Carmel and HSC and stuff like that. But those are like the club, like high school level teams where it's all combined years. I played on like a, a Bulls type hockey team. We were, it's like an independent, we're, we were the uh, junior fuel AAA for, uh, we were just 06. It goes by birth year in hockey. So we were 2006, 2006 team. So I think there's, there's about two of those teams in Indiana. And I think we were really good. And, you know, we played and we traveled everywhere because there's no, you know, triple A hockey in Indiana. So I think, you know, that traveling aspect and then the traveling aspect of baseball was super fun. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. I've never, I, I don't think I've ever had a, like a, a former hockey player on the podcast before. I've had a couple guys from Canada, but I don't think they played hockey. So uh, when you were playing hockey, like you said, you traveled a lot. So where were some places that you were traveling? Yeah. So hockey's a long season. It's about, it's an eight to nine months. I mean, it's, it is grueling on your body. And there's no – we did not play in Indiana a lot. We probably played in Indiana three times out of our all our weekends we played. I mean, we went to Wisconsin, Chicago, Minnesota, um, places up north like that, Michigan, 
in the Chicago area, Grand Rapids, places like that. I mean, those are like some big hockey towns and, you know, those are some where some of the biggest showcases and, you know, tournaments are held. And that's where we traveled a bunch to play, you know, kind of round robin four or five games against some teams. So, so it's a hockey season being, you said eight to nine months. How did you go about, you know, being, being in hockey season long while also trying to play baseball and being in school? Like, well, how'd you, how'd you guys go about that type of, that, that rough schedule? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely hard. It's, it's challenging. You know, it's, you got to balance school. I have to balance, you know, working out for baseball and getting ready for my season, but also making sure I'm ready for my in season right now during hockey. So then it, it, it's a lot to balance, but you know, we took it week by week, made sure I got my homework done when I missed school, making sure that I make like I made up those tests that I missed or any quizzes I missed, you know, things like that is um, what really helped. And then having my parents that are both educators both my parents are teachers and they, you know, they know the school system. So we kind of went about it like that and making sure academically I was good and, you know, traveling and making sure I was all set for all those tournaments. Yeah. So, be, so being there in Noblesville, obviously that's one of those bigger towns North of Indy. So when you, when you're in Noblesville, you're back home. What is, when you want, and when you want to go do something fun, do you have to go travel to maybe Carmel or even downtown Indy? Or is there a lot of places that, a lot of places to do things up there in Noblesville? Um, I don't, I don't think you'd have to travel anywhere. Not that I do a lot. I normally just hang out with my friends and, you know, we go to, uh, we go to other friends' houses or, you know, we go golf somewhere. You know, I think, I think things like that, you don't really have to travel for, but maybe something like an escape room or uh, like a, like a sky zone or something like a laser tag or paintball type thing. Those are more in like the Carmel and Indianapolis area, I would say. All right, man. Well, I've got one last question for you. It's a question I like to ask the majority of players I get on. So obviously, name, image, and likeness. Maybe, maybe you're not too. Never mind. So name, image, and likeness. That's a new thing that came out here this past um, in July 2021, where college athletes can now make money off their name, image, and likeness, post stuff on their social media, get endorsements. So you're still three years away from that. But when you do graduate from Noblesville and you head to whatever college campus you happen to go to, what would be one dream brand that you would love to work with? So for me, I would love to work with like a body armor type brand. I think that would be, you know, awesome. You know, working with like a recovery type brand, something along those lines, you know, getting helping me recover, you know, from start to start. I think working with something like that and kind of promoting that to people that know me and other players that, you know, follow me, I think that would be something really cool. All right, man. That's, that's a good one. I mean, usually I get a lot of, a lot of Nike under armor, like all those like big time brands that everyone, that everyone wants to be a part of. And I'm just like, man, we got, we got to switch it up. So I'm, I'm glad I'm body armor is a good one, but man, that's all the questions I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I want to wish you the best of luck here as you go through this recruiting process best of luck this fall as you're going through all these tournaments so just really appreciate you coming on the show thank you thank you for having me and that's gonna do it for another episode of the jkr podcast 
number two of three this weekend. Only got one more episode here before we end off this Indiana Bulls series. It's been a great ride so far. Had some great content from all these guys. Been loved learning about this Indiana Bulls organization. Loved learning about all these different players and what they're all about. Um, but tomorrow, that one last episode is going to be another great one. We got Griffin Tobias on the show. Two-way prospect committed to the two, committed to Indiana for that 2024 class. Um, but besides that, we got some more great weekends ahead. Ever heard of All-American Prospects? I mean, of course you have. He's got 80,000 followers on Instagram, more than a million, millions of views on YouTube, to be honest. Um, got a great guy. Um, so he's coming on the show here in a couple weeks. Uh, make, we got a bunch of other great episodes coming up as well. So uh, make sure to check those out. Get some more updates on our website. That's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. And our social media, that's going to be at JKR underscore podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So check those out. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Keep listening, and I'll catch you guys tomorrow for Griffin Tobias' interview.